Hello everyone, my name is Paolo and today I'm joined with Nathan Gomez and now we have another guest today. Hi guys, my name is Tim Bowboy. Yeah, so uh, Tim is a friend of mine and uh, we just asked him today in the podcast to come and give us a topic that he would be interested in talking about and he decided to be uh, early, uh, what's it called, early um, education, oh, yeah, early education and addictions. So we're going to have uh, an interesting topic here, but first I would like Tim to introduce himself, where he's from, how old he is, and just a little bit about his own life. Uh, okay, well, uh, I don't know, let's say I'm uh, from a little town called Eslo, uh, previously known as the most uh, boring town in Sweden. So uh, uh, still had kind of an interesting uh, childhood. Uh, I'm 25 years old, uh, just in just a couple of days. Uh, I'm currently on a break from studying uh, to become a preschool teacher. And well, yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah. So, because uh, you said you, you, were, uh, you were trying to study to become a, a child, child teacher, right? Preschool teacher. Preschool yeah. teacher, okay. Yeah. So... What do you think, because, I mean, you were in, in classroom with the children and everything like that, right? So, how do you think the education or the way that we, they were educating the children was? Was it something good, or do you think there could be any changes, or what is your personal experience? Uh, well, yeah, um, well, I think the, the, theoretically, let's say, theoretically, uh, Sweden is one of the, like, best uh, places for preschools like it's uh, the the uh, curriculum and the things that they tr strive for uh, today are very very good like uh, they are very based on the uh, children and their own personal growth and uh, not so much uh, fitting into a, a system which sadly they come to later with a school uh, in my opinion at least and uh, But yeah, the the in theory they're very good here in Sweden. But in practice, it's a different thing because uh, I mean, you know, change is always hard for for everyone. And uh, in uh, in preschools, it's it's uh, very easy to uh, fall back on on uh, what you've been taught as well. Like for example, uh, uh, through the first period where I work with the uh, children, I uh, I didn't have any education in it or anything like that. I um. So whenever like I got into situations where I didn't quite know what to do, uh, I sometimes leaned back into my own upbringing. So like the way I was raised from my preschool teachers was was kind of the, the old school way of like they know everything, we know nothing. They're just supposed to fill us with uh, information, and uh, uh, yeah, we're just supposed to like learn and become something pre preordained, something like decided previously. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, so it's hard to take take the step away from this because uh, with this uh, open-minded new thinking that we're kind of going into now, it's it's unknown territory. So you don't you can't really be sure in what you're doing unless you're very safe in yourself as a person, which uh, I don't think a lot of people are today actually. Uh, oh, there <coughs> even even though there's been changes try or like they even try to make some changes because of our 
because of our way we were previously educated, then you think that has an effect on how we're actually implementing these new ideas or it still has something to be looked into. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. The thing is like it's a lot i think it's very connected to the uh, social norms and uh, and uh, how we as a society uh, believe we should uh, be like we we have a i think people are very lost nowadays so we don't have such a clear image of what everyone wants society to be so to speak like we're very shattered in a way like uh, a lot of different opinions which is very good but uh, yeah it's it's um how should I say it? I kind of lost my... <laughs> lost my... Um... It's missing a sense of, like, commu- like purpose. Like, something that we all need to strive for in a way. A direction. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's... It's uh... It's missing guidelines, in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's... <laughs> I don't know how to put it. But yeah, it's it needs, like... Um... It's it's hard. It's so much easier to follow uh, uh, set rules and set a journey that you know the way. Mm-hmm. Like when you see a path, it's much easier to travel the path rather than go, let's say, through like bushes and stuff like where there's no path, like where no one has gone before. Going to new territory. Yeah, and if if uh, we want to use this new kind of like open-minded uh, teaching and and uh, just uh, like the act this open-minded way we have to travel on travel paths because every moment is a new moment even though as many would say history repeats itself and there's a lot of cycles everywhere that you can easily spot if you just look into it but still there's always a new combination we always like we always develop into something new maybe there's elements of old old uh, old times or old moments but still it's always a new moment so to speak so to to go into this open-mindedness is to yeah travel the into the unknown to go into the void and it's a it's a scary it can be a scary thing if you yeah perhaps if you overthink it like a lot of people do uh yeah okay um so you're saying that we're we're trying to get the kids to learn more open-mindedness more staying by themselves would you say that schools are already teaching in this way or they're still trying to implement it? It's not really working yet. Is this what you would say? Uh, yeah, the thing is, uh, like I said previously, there there are a lot of, uh, lot, lot of places where you can't really... Like, you see steps taken towards that way, but they don't quite know how to implement it. And... Uh, I think a lot of it is because of this falling back to the old, uh, to their comfortable habits, or so to speak. But uh, I mean, there's been places like uh, I was at a place where where they were really just super focused, like on the on the kids. And uh, there are kids like uh, there was this boy that was he was very very he would say eccentric maybe, like uh, like in the old older days or like previous they would like just label him like uh, having ADHD and like separating him or putting him in a special class or whatever uh, and uh, but now like in, in this place they actually were just encouraging him and always trying to communicate with him because he was actually a really really smart kid he just didn't quite know how to 
socially express his feelings and emotions at times. And so you could easily notice this as well, because I as well tried some more open-minded ways with him and, and try to speak with him when he would lash out uh, about something. And I would just take him aside uh, and just talk to him and, and, and ask him what's wrong. And, uh, you know, we would, like, talk it out and he would, like, feel better. And he would, like, uh, be so understanding. Uh, as, as long as I listened to him, he would be understanding and listening to me as well. Yeah, I think the the thing about children, at least, is that they're always very curious. But they're always willing to learn. So, I, at least from my experience, I always notice with my father... If I did something to call him out, for example, or just trying to express my emotions for how I felt about him, he would lash out and he would just say, like, you, he's a kid, he doesn't know anything. So I think we actually, as a society, we don't necessarily give so much value of the wisdom that children have. Like, kids are actually very wise and they're very, like, loving and caring. They just, they just want to be supported. And they're actually willing to listen if you show them that you're also w willing to listen to them. Because sometimes we tend to ignore our kids' problems as, okay, well, that's just kids' problems. But we, we have to guide them to be able to understand their emotions and to see where it's coming from. So I think it's very good that like the children actually come up to you and they want to discuss with you. I mean, uh, but yeah, this is exactly uh, what I'm saying as well. We need to... But not only, I mean, this can be applied for everyone else as well. Because really, another thing that I've learned, like working with kids and, uh, you know, being around adults usually, it's like the there's no real, like the difference is only that children are more, more how should I say, genuine, you know? More open, yeah. Yeah, they're, no, I, I'm more expressive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like we, we have all these filters, let's say, that we, we pick up through through our uh, uh, childhood and, and growing up. And uh, the older we get, I mean, there are, ex of course, exceptions, but most people, I would say, the older, older we get, the more filters we have because mm -hmm. there's defense mechanisms in, in place you know, psychologically that, like, yeah, they, they, they limit us in a way. And we also, if you study a very low-level degree of psychology, you would know that it's it's uh we can't even handle all the information around us so we have to have these filters and with children uh i mean if you try to just look back or imagine how it was when you were younger it was much for like the reality was much more volatile it wasn't like decided that this was this no, that's no. what you know it was much more uh, uncertainty so yes. to speak uh and i think uh you know it has to do maybe with the uh, open mind or, or I, it could be you know uh, willingness to learn more than anything i think like when i when i look back at my my childhood at least it was kind of like i was just such a curious kid like i i didn't i was just curious so the way of life now it's like i still have my curiosity but i think somehow i lost my curiosity and then i get it back mm -hmm. but i can see how those these habits that we make and all these defense mechanisms that like you mentioned do mold us into certain attitudes and behaviors which might not necessarily be for the best benefit or even truthful to who we really are so i think it's important like at least for me when i was a kid my mom took me to therapy and stuff and now looking back when i'm 23 at those events something that i really had completely forgotten about i've been reminiscing about my childhood lately and i realized that those things like being able to talk about my feelings 
have helped me nowadays be able to develop a more intricate relationship with myself. So, and I'm reading a book called self, uh, self therapy, which is really good about it. So I think when you're, when you're a child, like, like you said, you're more expressive, but you're also, everything is so grandiose. Like when something new happens that you've never seen before, it's like, wow. So there is, there has, there are some certain experiences that can affect the children very dramatically. So it's important for the parents to also spot those. Spot if your children, for example, is behaving differently. If you see something off that is not normal to his behavior, that normally spots that something happened and that the kid wants to talk about it. And I remember from my experience, my mom was really good at spotting that because I had a really close relationship with her. So I think it's important to always uh, monitor how the children is acting. Like if you see some radical change of behaviors, that are more mostly negative or something like that you as a parent need or or a teacher even if you spot that in your classroom you need to be able to talk to the to the kid and say hey what happened so in my family both of my parents are social workers my father used to work in an orphanage for um refugee children that lost their parents on the on the way and now he changed to be a kindergarten, to work in a kindergarten. My mother is elementary school teacher since before my birth. So um, so she has a lot of experience in that field as well. And I mean, sometimes I heard a little bit of their perspective and what they feel. And something that they stressed also in my uh, upbringing was that it is very important for kids to have rules. To have a certain framework for a kid to orientate itself, but in that framework, freedom. Because if you don't have rules, some people say then you have freedom, but really that that is chaos. No. That is something where that no ch- no child can thrive in and complete openness and complete no. ruleless society. But it is very important that there is a framework, but within that framework, and it should be a clear set out framework as well, as well because if it is a, a a variable framework, that's when children also get very confused. If you tell them a rule, but then you yourself are not keeping it, or sometimes you just let the kid, you just ignore the rule or whatever, it's something very weird and confusing for kids as well i think the most important thing for children is to be able to teach them how to channel their creativity how to channel their curiosity that's the most important thing it's not necessarily blocking it but like you said built an environment where it's good enough so that they're actually be able to express it and use techniques to do that too because we don't we don't really get to understand our mind really when we're growing up at all and we are a, a energetic body at the end of the day. So our emotions, everything, they're trying to tell us things. I and mean, it is good to teach children at least how to how to control them, how to navigate through them, how to be able to put them into something more productive. Because these are energies that we can use. We can channel them for our advantage. So a kid is always so energetic. He is he's always trying to put it somewhere. He's getting distracted. He's trying to figure it out. So if we are able to teach them how to control them and be like, okay, focus on what you like. I think it's, it's the best, but he still needs to, uh, you know, set routines because yeah. you need practice for these things. It's not something that just happens. But normally in schools, we're just like, you just go there and try to sit down. Okay, I'm trying to be good. I'm just going to learn this math or whatever. And 
Okay, we learn everything from the outside, but when when we leave school, who are we? Who am I? I, I know I know my I guess like superficial knowledge, like for technology and just my math and stuff, but what do I know about life? What do I know about myself? So I think these are questions that you know, sadly you're gonna have to answer them sooner or later. So I think it's better that if we start developing our true selves since early childhood. So I think that's where our school systems fail the most is not necessarily giving us the tools to be able to explore ourselves openly. So basically what you're saying is that the uh, the task of schools nowadays is, or in schools in general, is to shape people and to form people into being mature and uh, self-standing people. Not Not only that, but to be able to think for themselves, to be able to solve problems. Like I got a uh, I got a membership for a, a website called Brilliant where it's about math problems, but they teach you how to solve math problems like just by do practicing and actually learning the problem solving skill. Most of us, when we learn math or things like that, and before I say this, like our brains are made for mathematical calculations. We are we are we all know math by de default. We're doing calculations all the time, whether we know it or not, but. Math is a language, and many of us just get taught the formulas and not the magic, not what has actually happened about it. So once you have that curiosity, I believe, and you have actually problem-solving skills, you can take those anywhere because your ability to solve problems and actually get to understand yourself guides you towards what it is that you actually want to achieve in life. Because if you don't know the tools necessary to solve a problem, you're going to think the problem is unsolvable. But if you have the tools, then it's a possibility. You still have to work on your curiosity, I think. And a question that I would like to ask you, Tim, is um, so how do you see schools nowadays in society since, you know, families are getting more and more in this position of both parents have to work, parents don't have much time for kids anymore. And I think in Sweden it's like this, that from the age of one, each every kid has a place in a kindergarten or something like this. In Germany, I think they want to do it for each kid in the age of three. Um, so they're still a little bit behind in that. Um, but so there is this kind of kids are less and less time at home. Would you agree with that? And what would you say is the is the trend towards like schools are more important also to have the social aspect? Or is it um, what would you say about um. that? Uh, well, well, I think yeah, it's it's definitely um, a lot of people uh, neglect their children almost. I mean, that's kind of harsh to say, I guess, but in some points, it's actually a harsh truth. But at the same time, I can uh, like at some to some degree have understanding for these parents because. Uh, there's some parents that work, like you say, work a lot. Uh, both parents have to work a lot, and uh, they don't have a lot of time, you know, for for uh, their children. And then, you know, in some cases, uh, quite often the dads, it's like uh, they they get home and they just want to rest. And you can understand, and they might love their kids anyway, which they, I mean, everyone <laughs> should at least. Uh, but still, they need that uh, time for themselves. Uh, as well and i can kind of understand this because uh, i i was in this uh, kind of situation because my my dad worked two jobs uh, when i was a kid 
and uh, so it was mostly just my mom and my two sisters uh, like socially we would like you know hang out in the evenings uh, watch movies and just have these like chill evenings well uh, dad would like we would see him during weekends but he would be kind of tired from working all week nights and, and days and stuff and uh, but still I mean it's not that I didn't meet him at all or didn't have good times with him or so but still there was this uh, absence of him and uh, I can't help to think like wonder how I would be developed differently if he was there um, but the thing is like like I said it's it's not because he didn't love me or whatever he didn't want to be with me he was just like uh, yeah it was working for us he was he was providing for us he did everything for for us so uh, yeah you can't really blame him and it's a lot like that with a lot of different parents as well like a lot of other parents are have the same situation uh, so it's important to have this uh, uh, yeah social aspects uh, where you kind of have to take uh, a bit of a parenting role as well or a mentoring role, let's say, that's better. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, the parents simply can't, which is, a, which is a shame, but that's a different discussion with the whole economy and, yeah. and, and, and work and stuff. But, yeah, but yeah like, uh, yeah, that social aspect is very important. They need to have someone that they can look up to and feel safe with. And this doesn't have to replace uh, the parent, I believe. I think uh, children are smart enough to separate it. They can still have uh a good connection to their parent but if they're absent a lot i think it's important also for the parent to work towards getting closer to their child when they when they get the time uh so it's like so they don't just leave it like okay i had a lot of work don't care about like not mentioning it but it should like yeah they should work to to have a have that connection still while someone else is helping mentoring their child yeah i find this so interesting that i mean sweden kind of has this um reputation of being one of the wealthiest part or yeah one of the wealthiest parts of europe and people here i think in average work less than in other countries in europe as well but still you have this that a lot of parents actually don't get a lot of time with their kids which is i think kind of a strange development of society but i also think like even if when they do get the time like this is just from observation but like for example there's been a couple times where i've been to max or something and i've seen like parents with their kids or something their parents are just on their phone the whole time the kid is just kind of like sitting there like eating like blah 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 but they're on their phone their whole time so who knows what happens at home as well who knows how much attention parents are actually given to their children nowadays. So if you're a parent, I think it's important that you understand that you have a, you have a responsibility. You, you gave someone birth. You, you're meant to actually guide them. And it's kind of like this question of, uh, should we teach our children how to conquer the world or how to be safe in the world, right? Like you have to be able to un at least teach them in a sense how to like the realities of life you have to be able to tell them like hey life is like this but you can still you know through hard work not not just tell them like you can achieve anything and it's not going to cost you anything no actually teach them the values of things teach them uh important tools how to read how to do things and 
The thing about children is that they copy you. So if you're in your phone all day, if you're not working on your problems, if you're not doing anything like that, the children's going to get that. So you have to be your best version for your children. They don't have to see everything. Mm-hmm. If you if you're not with them, you can you can be mad, you can be angry, you can let all your emotions. But when you're with your kid, you have to be your hundred percent best because you have to show them how to become a better person. And that and, and it's, it's something that it has to come out of. At least for my mom, I'm grateful, and like she always told me that I really helped her because she always tried to strive for the best for me. So she had that uh, maternal love that pushed her to do better things. But it's important nowadays not to get distracted with the phones, but use that love for the benefit of the child. So, yeah, I think this is actually a thing. A thing I've been uh, uh, I've been thinking about a lot uh, in previous years uh, with the whole. Uh, well parentship thing uh <laughs> these latest couple of years uh, <laughs> i mean i think it's been crazy because it's like yeah it's i guess also part of growing up you like start seeing your friends getting uh, babies and families and stuff but also uh sadly there's also been a rise of of, uh, of using parentship as a kind of escape and uh at the same time there's this aspect that you said paulo that that you kind of mature with their child because you, ha- you get a responsibility which you have to uh, yeah come through with mm-hmm. but sadly i think in this confused world that we're living in a lot of people might just be thinking yeah i don't know what to do with myself and don't want to solve their own problems that's why they get a kid and think that's gonna be their new focus points and their old problems are just gonna go away and uh, mm-hmm. perhaps in some some case it, it, might, it might work it might turn up that like i said they they live up to this role and and become a better person but in some cases i think uh, increasingly uh more cases uh it's yeah it's the opposite that they're yeah maybe on their phone all the time or or don't really focus on their child they just see it as a accessory perhaps and uh, i think it's that's very yeah it's uh, concerning but then again it's it's a uh, it's not an easy uh, problem to work through because then what are the what are the options? We 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 give out tests for parentship, but <laughs> I don't see like <laughs> that would be uh, that would feel like a very yeah a bit strict. No, no. Perhaps like police state thing. The only way for for anything to change is by people changing themselves. This is something that is really you have to work on yourself to do. I mean, at the end of the day, we all have our demons. We all have our things, but. If you br- if you brought a child, you make sure you fucking get rid of those demons real quick, and you do the best for your child. It's that simple. Cause it's a life, it's a future, and unfortunately, if we keep raising our children the way that we are doing right now, we're just gonna leave them a future worse than the one that we have. And it's like the ever repeating story of, example, the baby boomers or the previous generation blaming everything on the millennials and things like that, but. Come on, this is the world that you gave us. We were brought into this world. There's nothing. It's not our fault. We want to do something about it, and we can do something about it. But it's important for us to actually work on our problems first and realize that. Because, I don't know, I think the way we're going right now, because politicians, for example, faking like, or saying that climate change is a hoax and all these things, is it's derailing us. So if parents are so worried about their future and not working for themselves, they're going to neglect the children as well so and in a world that is confusing we don't want to confuse children that's the least thing we want to do 
And I think right now children and new generations are very confused because they're using social media so much. They're always taking pictures, always seeking the validation. And it's like, okay, where's the space for me? Who, who am I? So if we keep going this way, unfortunately, we're going to run into a lot of problems because to be able to solve problems, you have to be open-minded. You have to be able to work with someone else. And it's very difficult to work with other people if you can't even work with yourself. So it's important to take a, take a step in for a little bit. Like many people tr- want to change the world. Don't change the world. Just change yourself. The world will change itself if you do that. Mm. So, yeah, I think uh, uh, on the subject of the this whole uh, phone thing and with the kids, uh, I actually saw a, uh, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was some sort of of a scientist and slash author that was talking about um children and and this uh, use of a phone and the uh, the addiction it actually is uh like the we get a rush of dopamine every time we see that thing on our phone it's like a it's like a drug for us and and a lot of people don't realize it and and are not realizing that they're feeding their children drugs when they give them these things cuz it's like you say this whole um uh, self-confirmation thing through others it's 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 a poison and it's a it's a part of this the problem caused by this drug it's 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 horrifying really and and there's so many other things too like in society we're we're a society of addicts because everyone is always we always have to have our things like we have to have our morning coffee perhaps or we have to have that night snack on fridays or whatever we have these routines uh or these things part of our routine without even thinking about it sometimes and uh and yeah it's it's uh we're smearing this on to our children now it's like we're giving them phones at a young age we're we're giving them candy yeah. which is uh, if you think about it it's it's like giving your kid cocaine it's it's <laughs> crazy it's have you seen a kid like amped up on candy it's i swear i've I've seen some stuff guys but like a kid on candy is like the you know the tasmanian devil from this from the cartoon yeah it's like just jump around spin around you know like like you know so and we give this to our kids no, to think and and we think it's it's okay we give them some candy and they'll be all right no that's gonna come back and bite you like that we don't even realize it when they come back and go crazy i don't i don't know this yeah. With this whole issue with phones, how do you think are schools dealing with that now? Are they um, dealing with it? I mean, I, I I know from my school time in Germany, it was absolutely strictly forbidden to have a phone in school. Like if a teacher would see even the phone in your pocket, he might already point you out. Mm-hmm. I mean, towards the end, it was not that strict anymore. I can remember, um, but definitely in the beginning. And having the phone out in the breaks was no... In gymnasium, it was better than, like, we were... There was no problem with that. But do you think that the way... Like, schools are getting more liberal towards that. Like, kids are allowed to have phones. When I was in Sweden um, two years ago, I also went to visit the school for one week to help a little bit there. And was the first time that I saw this... I saw a kid that had earphones during the lecture and the teacher told me, yeah, it's for better concentration and things like this. Mm. Um, So... What? Better concentration, but you can't hear. 
that, that there's a it's it's something psychological that they came that they found out or I don't I don't know I don't know exactly I, I don't know much about this problem and issue but do you think this more liberal uh, um, way of you know kids are just allowed to have their phones in class or tablets or whatever is this something that is beneficial for the children or uh, I mean the thing is like I don't the in the lower ages, at least, or lower classes, I know uh, when I worked, at least, uh, on a, in a preschool, uh, the kids that went to class close by, they, uh, I don't think they were allowed phones, I'm not sure, but I remember, and like, when I went to gymnasium, uh, or high school, uh, the, I think the year after us, had uh, got uh, computers from the school, it's kind of it was it was very uh, a very bad uh, high school I went to let's just say that so they had to like uh, bring kids in by or, uh, or students in by yeah learning them in with a computer you know it's like a MacBook who wouldn't want a MacBook you know but you know it ended up with uh, I heard from my friends and such that that they were just sitting streaming movies uh, playing games League of Legends and shit, stuff like that and. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a good thing, no, uh, in school. I think it's important to integrate children into the technology, but it's not really a school issue, I think, because we adapt and we learn, and you can see a kid, you didn't need to teach a kid anything about technology. I mean, they'll figure it out. I mean, I've seen my best friend's little brother uh, was at, like, sat him at the computer at, I don't know, like, age of one or something, and he already started figuring out some small stuff like where to hit to make something happen and like so they they know that like we don't need to teach him that we rather need to teach him like i'm not much for rules and stuff but yeah we need to teach him how to like regulate it how to how to use it in a in a controlled way not to have it like for example us we have our phones in a meeting or such we put it with their face up and like waiting for messages always like really like like a like junkies like sitting there oh when's the next kick you know but we shouldn't let the kids uh dive into this addiction with where they have to have that little input always ready you know mm-hmm. they should be able to disconnect completely from technology reconnect with nature or some or or just you know be in the now and talk to someone and not hold their phone or have it under the table or even thinking about it you know i think at the end like one of the important things is because at the end of the day, you need to give the children the technology. Like technology is good either way. Like I think their their ability to to have computers and research is very important. But for example, if your school gives every because when I went to school, I remember that uh, also the year before me, they started giving them computers to like browse the web and stuff. But I think you can, like, I believe we can create some type of operating system where we only have we have it only for schools so that we only accept applications that are like school-wise applications or research and things like that not just games or streaming things like that so limit their uh capabilities by essentially just restricting it to educational purposes but still giving them the opportunity to explore those like things but also most importantly use it creatively i was reading i was watching a video yesterday about virtual reality and how it actually impacts your your learning curve, and there was an eight percent increase in learning in a virtual virtual environment than like a school. 
Because like if, if you engage the kid in, in a game, for example, in a learning game where he's actively participating in it, he's going to learn much quicker. So we have to learn how to actually use the technology creatively and for the purpose of education instead of just giving it there like, hey, here, have it. Because if you give a computer to a children, you're also giving it the keys and the ga- to, to the internet. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things in the internet <laughs> that a child should not be looking at. Yeah. It's that simple. The internet is not a place for children. We should have an age. I believe we should have an age restriction on the internet. Twelve-year-olds, eight-year-olds should not be looking at the internet freely. It's that simple. There, mm. we can say we can prepare them for the world, but no, 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 no. Those, those, there's things on, on the internet that are completely unrealistic, and that can have a profound impact in a, in a children's life. I mean, a, a child has to have a certain maturity in order to deal with false information. Yes, and I mean, even we in our age. If we keep feeding us with the false information, we still get into the trap of yeah, building yeah. up the wrong image. Like, I mean, it's, it's like it's, it's like sending him out to sea. It's 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 like putting your kid on a boat and just sending him off to sea because yeah. you, you never know. Like, you, they might find some tropical island and and I don't know, paradise. pirate treasure, yeah, paradise. But there's sharks and there's maybe no food and but you know they, anything and can sexy happen. Sexy females and near se- your area. <laughs> Some some nice some nice uh, what is it called? The mermaids. Mermaids. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The mermaids everywhere. The mermaids. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. But those mermaids might be whale rushes as well, just <laughs> tricking them, you know. It's, the thing is like it could be anything. So I definitely agree with that actually. Like I said, not much for restricting and rules, but yeah, definitely, because it's 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 the wild. It's a jungle. It's worse than the jungle, because the jungle, yeah, it might scare you, but internet, and internet, 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 the internet. See, I've been too much on the internet already. No, but the, the internet will will make you crazy, like in a sense. Because what is crazy really? Crazy is just a really radically different perspective from a, another person. So if you spend all your days on the internet and watch crazy stuff that people just put together out of boredom i mean watching one or two of those videos might not change you much but doing it all day every day which people do like they sit on their in their phone when they when they're in a bathroom like watching youtube clips it's like at least when you doing a number two or or taking a pee at least then put your phone down and be in the reality and focus on your task. It's like I don't know, but yeah, definitely. Like YouTube Can't is. Uh, my ass without this YouTube video. <laughs> YouTube is a is a very very uh, poisonous kind of. At the same time, it's it's a good it's a good uh, hub because like uh, starting up, there's so much uh, on YouTube, so much creative creativity, like so much of uh, flow from people to just love to express something. But as of late, I think it's turned more into a a trash can or like a a, a puke bucket, you know. Well, it's I like, think it's kind of like the it's becoming to a reality show. So the majority of the big YouTubers are really just creating drama, and like this is what what children children are 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 looking into. So yeah, it's 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 just reality children or reality shows for children, and they don't have no fucking idea. So for example, when you look at the big YouTubers that children are watching, like PewDiePie or Face Clan or K- KSI, all these YouTubers, like, 
I think they're just portraying this message of life being extremely glamorous and like nothing serious and just kind of like distracting really like someone said something mean about it we're gonna do this diss track and i'm gonna get my boys and we're gonna fucking go in a ferrari we're gonna be doing the lambo and children are like oh my god yes i want that oh he talks shit uh and then just like getting their kids super fucking hyped up for absolutely nothing mm-hmm. so it's like i believe youtube is great at the end of the day because you can literally learn anything on youtube like if you really want to use youtube productively you really can but it's also what you're looking into so for example for me in my youtube i've had my youtube for a very long time so i have subscriptions when i was like 14 16 years old so those videos keep coming up and i sometimes watch them kind of like a nostalgic thing but i i still try to spend the majority of my time in youtube learning so but i can still see how if i get affected and i like clickbait those videos and just watch for the hell entertaining i can imagine how a 12 year old would have this find this hilarious and like you know i don't believe that you know, at the age of 12 or 14, you should really worry much about, like, how, like, what to do in life, but I think after that, if you're, like, 15 to, like, 18, and you're still just watching those videos, it's kind of like, come on, like, there's an age where you you have to stop being a kid and slowly mature yourself into, into adulthood, and that's a very tricky transition period, and a lot of us don't even go through that transition period for a really long time, so... Recently, I also realized just about my own YouTube consumption and how I just spend so freaking much time on this device. I mean, not only on YouTube, but also on phone games or whatever. And so what I decided to do was to do every few weeks, just do a media-free week. Like, not completely media-free, of course. It is almost impossible not to have internet nowadays like you need it for meetings for school for uploads and everything so i'm still using my computer but i have like a ban on (laughs) a ban on youtube for this actually this upcoming week now and no phone games and anything so let's see how that's going to go that's really Uh, smart (laughs) but yeah and i mean it's something you know we actually don't need it. But to really do the step back, I think that's something that is that we all should do every now and then. And that is very helpful as well to see how much time do I actually waste. Yeah. I mean, I don't... Like, for example, when you say complete, like a week free of YouTube, like I wouldn't say necessarily throw YouTube away because I, at least I learn on YouTube. So I watch a lot of philosophy videos on YouTube and uh, like math videos, for example, to try to learn something. So it's like, throw the useful, useless parts of it. Throw the useless videos, the things that you absolutely know, this is absolutely just for my, for to waste time. Like those things, cut them away. Because if you're going to waste time, waste time with yourself. Like, you know, be in the present, being whatever, whatever you're, you're going through. But if you want to learn or you want to do something, also use the tools. Because it is a powerful tool at the end of the day. It's not about throwing it away, but it's about learning how to use it moderately. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not doing that in order to, you know, just throw YouTube away or whatever. I just see that, I mean, I use YouTube a lot as well for informative reasons. The thing is just that I have realized that the temptation, even when I just watch a good video, and usually I watch videos that are like one, two hours long, 
because it's like a discussion that someone had or something like that. I find this extremely interesting and very informative. But the temptation is always there to, you know, just scroll down, click on the next short video and trail off. And really, what I also realized is that even when we use YouTube Informative, afterwards, we just click on the next video. We don't take time to sit back and think about what we actually just got there. What was it that this person uh, just told us? Or in this discussion, what is it that we can actually take from us? It is a constant flow of information because it is so easy. Like, you know, a book, you have to sit down, you have to look through the letters, takes time for your brain to process it. It's very, it's a lot more difficult. I'm not saying it's very difficult, but it's more difficult than, you know, just having a, a video. You listen to it, maybe you look at it, maybe you're doing something else, but you don't pause and take time to think about what well, it is I, that I, you're yeah, feeding. We, we become yourself. a we become a passive passive just channel basically. We don't even yeah we don't process it exactly. Right. I think that's a, I pause on videos. Yeah, like I, at least I mean, when I'm when I'm listening to a video and I'm like that's like if it's like math math video for example or psychology hmm. or psychology video or video by Ellen Watch or things like that. When I watch those videos, I put myself in the moment mindset and then I reflect upon them. If I'm watching garbage stuff and I know I'm watching garbage shit, like I'm just watching this useless vlog just to laugh or whatever, then I just click on it and I keep going on it. Like if I'm watching football clips of goals, I'm not going to, you know, be like, oh, a punter, but like, yeah, that goal was really good. No, I want to see more goals. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. So yeah. it's, it, I, that's where I'm going back. It's, it's how you use it. It's, yeah. it's all about how you use it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because you, it is, it is like, at least for me, it's easier for me to learn visually than for me to learn, you know, just, hmm. just by doing some. No, it's visual. Visually, I learn better. So that's hmm. just me. But when I when I see it, it's like I try to reflect, and even afterwards, if if it's a it's a video that really caught my mind, I try to think back and just remind myself like, okay, this is what I saw, things like that. But I do agree with you that if you constantly just watch videos after video after video, you're not gonna remember shit, <laughs> like mm. nothing. No, that's the that's a actually another. See, this is a another aspect where where uh, or aspect of of the uh, the addiction in society. Because uh, if you watch YouTube, just like uh, uh, Nathan just said uh, before with uh, short clips, it's it's really just another short. Uh, uh, rays of dopamine, you know, another another lift, another high, you know. You you watch a video that's like uh, there are a lot of these uh, like gifts uh, videos with the like uh, five second, six second videos cut together in a ten minute long video, and it's just a, a bombar- bombardment of of stimuli really. And uh, I think this this helps also create this uh, hyperactive. Uh, personality that a lot of people more and more people actually are are developing and i'm not saying it's because of it because it's been i think i think it's it's been here before but i think it's definitely maybe yeah increasing and maybe uh like how should i say it maybe it 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 awakens kind of a dormant because maybe we all yeah i think it creates a connection in your brain it's a pattern because we yeah because we all we all have the the we can all get that hyperactive personality i think if we like you say if we just like get in into a routine like that we need this quick info that we need this quick input and then you sit there and you can't really 
sit still or do nothing because you feel your body's just aching to do something like every every second and yeah it's it's uh it's it's too easy to fall back on this too it's it's uh like i i'm guilty of it myself when uh when i work i work evenings and usually work late and late and uh when i get home i'm usually really tired but i can't really fall asleep so i usually sit and watch youtube videos to like relax and which is kind of crazy because i watch these short videos videos that just bombard my mind with images and flashes and stuff and it's i i you know it's it's crazy really how we do this to ourselves and then we uh, find it hard to sleep and 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 are well, confused about it you know i think uh i think that's where meditation really can help one because i've talked to I've talked to many people and i i realized that a lot of people have problems sleeping like m- people my age a lot of the people that I talk to now I have problems sleeping, trouble sleeping, and it's like now I listen to that and it's like five, six people that have told me in the past week that they've had trouble sleeping. So I don't have any trouble sleeping. I sleep like a baby, but I also meditate a lot. And at least for me, like how I realized my my mind has shifted in the past two years since I started meditating is like any time I get like really distracted or that I notice that I'm not very focused. Because you notice it, you, you, you start feeling anxious and you're like, I have to do something, I have to do something. But it's important to notice it. And I think that's where the meditation really allows you to be like, yeah, okay, I'm like this. Then you build a pattern of when you're like that, you bring yourself to the moment, you bring yourself to the now, and you calm yourself down, and you're good. But it's a practice that takes time to develop. I mean, I've been doing this for two years, but now I can look back and, and see how it's, it's shifted. So I think it's important that we also give ourselves time to be in the present, to come within ourselves, because that's all it is. And it's, it's kind of like to be or not to be, which is essentially being, like being and doing. So th- there is moments where you have to do things, which is like the not be. But there's moments where you can come back and get in touch with yourself. Because if, you, if your mind is constantly in the outside world and is constantly uh, wondering on how to solve problems that are in the outside, it's not going to give any nourishment or happiness or understanding to what it's inside. So it is it is important that we take time to come in presence with ourselves, calm ourselves down, appreciate ourselves, and understand that the things that are happening outside are temporarily. The majority of them will fix by themselves. But give yourself that calm moment to come within. I mean, you are in control of your body at the end of the day. And you, I mean, the placebo effect is absolutely in, like amazing when you think about it, but... You know what I don't like about the placebo effect is that they call it the placebo effect. It gives you an, uh, this like an illusionary effect, right? So there's two ways of looking at it. It's an illusionary effect because they're giving you a drug that is creating the illusion of healing. So it's an illusionary healing or it's a healing that you are doing yourself because you have the intention of healing and you believe in your mind that you're healing your body. So I think that's what's important. If you come through meditation practices and you have an intention of being in presence with yourself, letting go of your of your blockages, being there for you, you will heal yourself because your body has that capability. But I think it's something that we have lost. We have lost it because we haven't gone inside. We haven't understood our bodies. We haven't understood ourselves. So we're always so focused on the outside that we neglect our body. We neglect our needs. So... It's not how much you do, but also how much you are and how well you do things, how smartly you do them. So. Yeah, I think I think that's very true. But just just to when you say like not too much in the outside, I think uh, should clarify too. Like on the inside, it's more 
I think at least from my perspective now, it's it's more about feeling and just being instead of really contemplating. I would say. I mean, we all need to contemplate things too, I suppose. You but you we need to. Much. Yeah, we need to uh, also just feel and be in the moment. And uh, well, we have to balance. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. We have to balance it, and uh, I think that's a, a very hard thing for a lot of people today. And another thing that's been derived from the whole. Uh, this whole five second generation you know uh, that we're just we we can't work i mean i think less people i'm not sure if less people i've i've I've, it's it's what i feel at least that a lot of people at least around uh don't really try because it's uh you know a long way and it's and it's uh we we need this like this fast uh nothing nothing world is nothing worthwhile is done quickly yeah like, exactly exactly ev- e- everything needs time and like from my experience when i started meditation i didn't expect it to be what it is right now two years after and you know you heard the benefits you hear all the things but you don't really like it's trying to exp- explain something to someone like a color to someone that is blind it's something that you really have to live with for yourself and it is a journey and it is complicated it is a difficult practice the practice of being conscious and the practice of being in the moment with everything and acceptance of what you're feeling and also balancing the should I think not to think because it, it, is, it is a balance at the end of the day. You have to be able to use your logical side, your left side, but you also have to be able to use to, to be in the present with what it is. So, but if we don't teach these practices when we're little, because I think a, a kid is able to do them much easier because they're able to understand so if we were able to understand how our mind works and use them for our for our betterment since an early age, we would be much better. But we don't understand them. We're like, well, these are emotions. You feel them. You should be them. You, this is your thought. This is 100% true. But I, I still remember when I was a kid, when I was a kid, for example, and it's still a thought that comes up that, for example, when something gets stolen or something around that, I always like a thought comes up like, this is like, like kind of like dreamlike, like, Okay, what if what if I did it? And it's just like, well, and feel guilty. Like, wait, why I wait? I didn't do anything. Mm. So then I always remember when I was little and I got that thought. I would look at it and I was like, well, that's bullshit. So like the the whatever the mind thinks is not all true. Thoughts are just thoughts. You're not your thoughts. It's just information flowing around in your brain trying to make some sense of something, some way or another, and trying to get your attention. So we're addicted to overthinking. It's it's most important to come in, in the present and just be like allow the realizations to come. I don't know. That's just the way I see it. So I think it's important to teach children since their early age how their mind works, how to deal with their desires, how to deal yeah. with their like pushings and everything, and a practice like that or yoga, anything really that yeah. grounds you to the present. I think I believe it's very important. This is why we should implement uh, psychology from an early age, I believe, in in schools and in preschools. Uh, like we, there is, I mean, you can you can easily teach psychology on a very fundamental, very low level to children. I mean, perhaps I think uh, I'm not sure quite which age, but uh, there's this uh, now there's this scientist. Uh, what was it? I think from the age of five. This is, of course, just based on one of the different theories. Like, there's a lot of different theories, but around the age of five, they say, uh, I'm not sure if Piaget or someone, one of those guys, uh, came up with a uh, 
idea that that's when the kid becomes more uh, aware of of, uh, of things beyond themselves and things like social patterns and such. And so from the age of five, we could easily start just with basic exercises like empathy is actually, I mean, I think uh, in a lot of places it's already uh, implemented a lot with psychology through empathy because we teach children empathy from early age. Which is part of psychology, part of understanding someone, someone else, and and uh, I think if we, like Paul say, teach them about more about learning or or understanding themselves and understanding these defense mechanisms, like I said before earlier with the uh, filters, that we could we could uh, like outmaneuver them, so to speak. Like we could go around them. We could we could understand that they're there. We could feel. The fear, perhaps, from uh, before doing something, but understanding that okay, this fear is just because of blah blah blah, maybe something in the past, yeah. or maybe, and then we could easier, much easier, I think, go past them or go through them. You know, it's like the movie Dead Poets Society, <laughs> and you haven't watched it, but you have to watch it. Yeah. I, I think yeah. as a as uh, a uh, elementary teacher, I think you will like it yeah. quite a bit, and it it touches ground with this conversation quite a bit. So I mean, all of those teacher movies, we. At home, we kind of grew up with them because my mother, she loves them, like Dead Poet Society, uh, The Children of Monsieur Mathieu, like movies like that, where it's like this teacher coming and kind of teaching the kids how to be themselves, how to develop their own um, personality and kind of think for themselves. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's actually a, a part of... Uh my whole reason for this uh, uh, the break from the studying I have actually because I have uh, I mean I'm very self-critical so it's a big part of it as well but I think the role as a teacher or, uh, to be a mentor to someone else is a, is a you know it's a it's a really big role you know it's a <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of pressure so to speak it's you know you have to when you watch these movies you know it seems so easy uh for the teacher just to go like okay find yourself uh i don't know do this and this you know but it's like uh was it socrates who said it or some very old philosopher said that you can't you can't uh, uh teach someone the answers you can just teach them like show them the way like or or you know so they they have to figure out stuff themselves you just kind of have to give them a, a slight nudge in this certain some direction and not not like in a certain uh, opinion, yeah, just like uh, help them find himself, basically, is why I think he was trying to say as well, because you you're not really teaching them to feel this way or that way, like to be uh, voting for a certain pub political party or something, like feel a certain way, you're just teaching them to, to find what they want to chase, what they want to believe in. I think with like, for example, Dead Poet Society, one of the best things as a teacher that he did was to inspire inspire the kids. So I think that's what teachers should aim to, to inspire the kids. But it's very difficult to be able to inspire young minds to be able to think for themselves and embody their true, their true identity if you don't do that yourself. So that's where it comes all down to you have to go back for yourself first. You have to be able to be comfortable with yourself, think for yourself, embody the, the energies that you have and say, like, this is me. I'm going through this to try to inspire you to become who you're meant to be. To do the things that you love to do manageably in a way that where you're able to maturely synergize with others, but also embrace your uniqueness 
enough for you to be happy and comfortable with it. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, yeah, but it takes a, a certain kind of wisdom, I believe, uh, which was, like I said, a part of, of uh, my doubts. Because uh, I, I mean, I've, I've, yeah, I'm, I'm 25 soon. I've, I've, I mean, I've lived a crazy life, but still, I think, I think, uh, I have a lot more to live and a lot more to, to gain, uh, wisdom-wise, uh, that I could pass on and that I could, uh, you know, guide better. But at the same time, like I said, it could just be all <laughs> my self-criticism. Uh, just <laughs> putting Ralph, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said that men 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 by nature were wise but because the wisdom comes from a man's thought he believes it not to be true so we all have our own wisdom we all have our own life experiences but we also have to believe in our thought we we're always the only reason why we like we we like philosophers or anyone's anyone like that is because they say something that which we think which we can connect to but we just we don't believe it to be true So when we hear it, I'm like, yes, that is that is right. They resonate. So it is important to understand that we, by nature, we are wise. If we just think over the situation mm-hmm. and look at it openly, like what led to the situation, not not self-criticizing yourself, because that's not the way of wisdom. Wisdom wisdom is not reached through self-criticism. Mm-hmm. It's reached through self-analyzing, to be able to ob- objectively look at the situation for what it was and what led you to that position. That's where wisdom comes from. So we all have life experiences, but if we don't look actually into them and what caused them, we're never going to gain the wisdom to actually not do the same mistakes again or things like that. I mean, I find it very nice what you said, that wisdom comes from objectively. So since we always have a subjective perspective, I believe that wisdom really actually comes from outside of ourselves. It comes from having a reference outside of ourselves. And that's where I believe that it's very important that we have a reference that is not based on our own, ourselves, purely on ourselves. Of course, experiences and everything work to it and add to it, but it is something that we as a community get to. A communal set of reference, something that we as a community set up. Because if I mean, I can make certain experiences and have certain interpretations of it. And if I base all of my judgment on my experiences, I will end up with something very confusing because my experience vary, my experience change with time. I don't have something stable. So instead, I think it has to be something that comes from community, that we as a community agree on. This is something that we got to. And this is something that we can agree on and... But I think, like, what, when you say it about subjectively, like, looking at it subjectively, I think we, we still have the capability of stepping out of ourselves and look at the situation for what it is. I'm not saying it's easy to do, because, and even even by nature, the experiences of others, the world by nature is biased. So each and, our, each and our opinions is biased, because it's biased upon our own experience. Every single rule that we made or anything is based on someone's experience. That dictator that came into power and tried to to do to create this type of government is based on his experience, based on his 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 own bias. So we all have our own biases, but I think to be able to learn wisely is to yes, yeah, like just like you said, also not look just look at your experience, but look at how you affected others and look what actually made you to be there. And you don't think that people who made rules that we have nowadays d- didn't do this? 
I, I think they did. But for example, when you look at a Hitler, for example, right? He was just a soldier that believed in himself. He was a very insecure person. And his insecurities led into this. So he was very humanitarian, but he also had a lot of patriotism and just racism in, mixed into it. So there were two extremes. Yes. He didn't get to work his extremes. And maybe in his heart, he meant well. But that is the thing about love, is that love is very destructive if it's not managed and healed properly and it comes from a, from a inner understanding of, of your place. Like, if he was to, there to rationalize, okay, what am I about to do? Where is this coming from? And actually understand that these behaviors came from an early childhood, a bullying, or anything like that, then, you know, things could have been different. But that's not the case. He was bullied. He A lot of mental problems and traumas that happened when he was little that created him. So society created him through his own experiences that he didn't get to see objectively. It doesn't matter what the others told him because the whole world was telling him that he was doing something bad. I mean, they wanted to go into war with him. So community-wise, he knew he was doing something wrong, but he himself, he maybe couldn't have seen it because he couldn't step out of his role. It doesn't matter what society told him, he couldn't step out of his role and look at the situation objectively. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true because society was supporting him. German society, yeah, but it was still the whole, the world against him, and, and you're still doing something that is morally wrong. I don't, I don't believe that somewhere, somewhere back in his mind, he was not having some certain sense of guilt, and I think that that guilt, and when you indulge yourself into that, and then you get this power rush, because it's really, it's really like a power high. You get everyone in your in your favor. Some sooner or later, it's kind of like I'm gonna. Maybe this sounds like a very weird comparison but it's like when when you're masturbating you're about to ejaculate there's a point of no return right there's a point where you just you're just like no I, I i'm just going to do it so it's the same way he got probably to a point where he might might have been rationalizing things but then the power high everything everything that he had created and he got into the story so much that he couldn't get out of it this that's what said he was all in there was no way turning back this is who he was this was who he created and there's no way of looking experience objectively but then again this is exactly why we don't follow or why we as a society decided we don't want dictators anymore we don't want to follow people like hitler anymore no we want to have a democracy we want to society as a community i understand that but i'm still saying that person to person things in our experiences if we don't look at them objectively if you don't look at our experience objectively we just feed on our own experiences and not actually see how we're affecting things we can lead into those extremes. Just like Trump, for example. Like, you look Trump right now, same thing. He was a businessman. No reason for him to become president, really. He was doing just fine. He wanted the power rush, and now he's so indulged in the character that he probably doesn't even know who the fuck he is anymore. He's so confused. He looks completely lost all the time. Before that, when you actually looked at him 15 years ago, he seemed like a normal guy. He gave, he gave interviews. He was pretty rational. He was very intelligent. And when you look at him now, he's just a narcissist. He's, he's become, he's embodying that personality so much. So you have to see these traits. You have to see how your society is actually affecting you. And you have to be able to separate yourself and look at your behaviors objectively. That, for me, in my opinion, that is really the only way for you to actually outgrow your problems and become the person that you're meant to be. Is by being in the present with your emotions and rationalizing them in an open way. Separate yourself from the herd, separate yourself from whatever, and take the lesson. Because if you don't, you're going to form into whatever it is that you're trying to create when you were confused, and then you can get lost in it. So, 
it's important to understand that i think yeah but i, I mean then i absolutely agree with you on that i didn't try to dispute this point not at all what my original question was don't you think that people in the past did this as well for example our parents our parents who brought us up didn't they also reflect on their actions on their ways of living in order to ma- bring us to a better point because this is exactly what we i would say as if we become a parent what we should do reflect on our lives and our experiences and bring our ch- kids up but we're privileged because we had those parents but that's the thing at least i yeah. can i can say from my experience i was privileged that i had a parent that was open for me and that listened to me and that allowed me to express myself and gave me the support mm-hmm. that's me i was privileged a lot of parents are not like that and a lot of children never get to do that so the only reason why we're having these conversations is because of the sacrifices that they've made mm-hmm. and the only reason why we're questioning and actually you know being able to study these things is because of our upbringing so we are privileged so but a lot of children don't get to do that they just get parents that are distracting they don't care for them that just tell them to follow the routine social media you create that you don't know who the fuck you are you get out of high school well, who am i but at, yeah but at the same time like our generations have a like we have it easy but we have it hard as well because we're kind of a buffer generation we're kind of in between because uh, like as we were talking about before like i think our parents grew up with you know we're we're i think we're our generation is one of the more insecure ever because yeah it's just too much information bombarding us and too much things like development of stuff like if you if you look at like technology and how it developed like it just exploded at like during our lifetime so it's like we've gone through this crazy change and it keeps changing it's not stopping it's just still new stuff every day every day has to be a new thing every day you'll read about a new invention a new thing it's something new re- revolutionizing thing you know it's always so we can't really keep up and so i think yeah that's why we're so insecure and our parents were uh, when you ask the question like uh, if they if they contemplated a lot or or uh, thought about how they acted and stuff i mean i think yeah i mean there probably was uh, a lot of parents that did but i think also there were a lot of parents that didn't that only were kind of in their own uh head because they had they didn't really have this insecurity like questioning themselves they just did and so then maybe didn't think twice a lot of times like i know like i had a uh my relation to my dad uh has gotten like better through the years especially lately and we had a talk about like uh, yeah and how like our upbringing and such and like he he knew he was always like a the classic like grumpy old dad you know like uh <laughs> like i said before he came home from work so he, he was tired so he was like oh leave me alone you know <laughs> it's gonna i mean i can look at look at it for like comedy i don't i think it's hilarious still when i think about it but like it's i don't think you know i don't think he he thought so much about bigger picture because he also told me like when we had this talk that he was like yeah maybe i didn't i didn't uh, uh, raise you in the best ways uh, and you can really tell that like like before he was just he, he would just act you know and then when we had this talk you could really see it looking his eye that was like yeah like he had thought about it, you know and uh, and i think you know it's it's a uh, maybe a new thing for him and a, a lot of different people i'm not saying like my dad is totally like 
uh, like a dumbass who just charged ahead always like he's he's a smart guy and he, he thought a lot about things but things like this and like i think a lot of people as well uh, with other social uh, stuff they they don't like really put any thought into it they just kind of follow their reactions and defense mechanisms like for example another thing is this whole uh, manly macho thing you know where you, you can't cry and you can't show emotion i think another thing that my my dad has kind of affected me with because because you know i've never seen him cry i've never seen him show that side and it's uh and it's weird for me as a kid because i'm a very emotional guy uh, so like as a kid i would cry for a lot of stuff like uh and and uh You know, my, my sisters, they kind of also were kind of, from my point of view, I'm, of course, uh, very mangled by the uh, today's society. So they kind of picking on me every time I was crying because I'm a boy. I'm not supposed to cry. I'm supposed to be tough, you know. And uh, and yeah, I think it's it's um, uh, I think it's another thing that's that's uh, hindering ourselves from from uh, becoming our true selves that we, we have these roles we go into, you know. Like I said earlier, it's we can uh, we limit ourselves. It's another filter. Like I said before, it's another thing that you have to. I can't think this way because I'm a guy. I th can't do that because I'm a girl. You know, it's yeah. It's, these roles are 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 destructive. You know. I mean, I think from my experience, I was privileged that my mom always supported me when I cried and gave me the space. And it was like, you have to feel your emotions. You have to be with them. Learn how to you know navigate through them. But a lot of men don't don't get to do that, and it's really sad because, man, woman, whoever you are, you have both female and masculine energies. So you have expression, you have feelings. It's okay. It's human. I don't know why you're trying to hide them or evade them. So I think it is important, like especially with the feminist movement. Everyone talks about feminism, but feminism is about equality. And if we're going to talk about equality, we also have to talk about the role of man, and we also have to give time for men to explore themselves because. I believe that a lot of the problems that have that have, that are in our society are caused because of the lack of men to get to know themselves and to express themselves. So, I think it is time to to have an open conversation and also what it means to be a man. How how like what what does it actually mean to be a man? Hmm. It's something that is not really talked about. Like it has come into the uh, fallen into the background. Yes, exactly. So I think we can have actually that conversation maybe next week. What it takes mm -hmm. to actually be a man. Yeah, and I think this is a a good point maybe to end this here now it's been a very nice conversation thank you tim for coming by thank you guys for having uh, me yeah and again to all of you thank you very much for listening you can come by next week yeah if um, you if you would like to to talk about what it takes to be a man then or yeah we just have discussion of what a real man should be like in your experience or just things like that you're more than welcome to come in by We'll receive you and we'll have a conversation with you. Yeah, just contact us. Feel free to... Um, message yeah. either one of us. Me message either one of us. Leave a, leave a comment. Also, if you have something that you want to add to the conversation that we just had, some thoughts that came up into your mind, something you want to add, something you want us to maybe elaborate more, just feel free to leave a comment in the down below the video. And yep. yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Yep. See you next week.